the job, the stress. Uh, 10-4 Kilo 23, we are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics, Politics. pressure. pressure. Get out of here, we got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear, survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Tonight's episode is going to be very, very special. This is Rich, and I am joined by two guests. I have Amira over here and Sam. And this is going to probably be the realest uh, podcast that we've done just yet. And just a little bit of an introduction over here. Amira came into contact with Team South Florida and had some pretty interesting questions about policing these days and some of the topics that were discussed really coincide with our secondary mission of bridging the gap between law enforcement and the community. And I'm really, really appreciative. I reached out to Sam and asked if he would join us and participate in the podcast. And I put on our social media pages just couple of questions if anybody wanted to submit questions, topics, or feedback regarding the topic. And I have some. This will be pretty free-flowing, and we'll just see where it goes. So thank you again to both of you for joining me tonight. Oh, absolutely. A pleasure. So the first question we ended up receiving was somebody said, where you work, live, so I guess this is going to be for Amir, uh, where you work, live, or attend school. Is there anything that you think the police department you might come into contact with the most is doing right or could improve on? To be honest with you, I don't really have any feedback for that because I haven't had any, you know, crazy encounters um, at school. The the SROs or like on campus security and stuff like that they do a pretty good job. So I really don't have anything negative to say. They're, I guess, maintain the status quo, maintain what you guys are doing now. Well, that's great. All right, and then the second question came up. This is clearly directed towards Sam. As a veteran police officer, generally speaking, and not specific to one agency, is there something that you think police departments are doing really well? And to the contrary, is there something you think some police departments are not doing so well? Well, for South Florida, I think that a lot of agencies are not being recognized for the things they do off of camera. I know our so social media pages capture, you know, us taking someone here or giving them food here, but that thing is happening all the time, like in every department across um, South Florida. Um, we're all human. We see somebody that's in pain or suffering. Um, I've seen officers give their jacket to somebody. Um, you know, there's, there's amazing things that people are doing off of camera, and I think that's something that um, people should realize that not only what is captured or played on the news or put on social media are the good things. Um, pretty much it. I mean, I think that maybe the agencies need to showcase the more good that we're doing. Um, I think a lot of us are doing, there's, there's people are doing tremendous things out there. Um, would it be give someone food, give them a ride or, um, you know, to speak to somebody and all those things you really don't see because like speaking to somebody is like maybe you know such a small thing but speaking to that person who's going through something able to get advice from a police officer who they eventually looking up to it's like that's some good stuff so so i think that kind of coincides with humanizing the badge a little bit i think maybe maybe some of that the minor things the everyday encounters don't get shared they don't end up making the news and they could potentially influence what we see all day every day we don't see those things on the news and then people only see the critical incidents or the negativity no and i i think that um as you said humanizing the badge one of the main things that you know i'm also a police officer down here in south florida um one thing that i do you know i own a non-for-profit which um last year i raised eleven thousand dollars to build a well in haiti and a lot of people don't like and i don't think that's i'm not saying that to brag about it but i'm just saying that a lot of us do things on the side 
like yourself and we give back to the community and doing things that are beyond our scope as a police officers just things that we do as human being and there's people that do other things like go to you know go to different shelters feed the homeless and they're doing this without any media attention or anything like that so i think a lot of our law enforcement officers um aren't getting maybe showcased enough of what they do outside of the badge um it's kind of you know when they're wearing the badge that's all people see is the badge but a lot of us do things that are extraordinary like yourself um and uh i don't think that's showcased enough yeah i would agree and the only thing i would add to that is i i think sometimes people look at police officers as robots um they're mothers and fathers brothers and sisters you know some of them are married some of them have all sorts of extended family lives outside of the job and for those of us that have a hobby or volunteer or an organization I definitely agree I think that it would be nice to showcase more of that uh, let me ask uh, Amira this question this one came in from a civilian who supports good police officers and supports fellow law-abiding citizens how can I help bridge the gap that I keep hearing about I just want everyone to get along and support each other hate is not the answer you have anything to say about that maybe from a civilian like yourself who appreciates and supports law enforcement and just wants everybody to get along um i think with the climate that we're in right now one of the most important things that you can do is remind people that not all cops are bad like considering the the you know heavy presence of social media and the you know open highway of communication that we as you know social media users and regular civilians have to record the you know terrible incidents or the negative aspects of law enforcement, um, it's easy to dehumanize or you know demonize or you know just just make them seem more robotic and inhuman and inhuman like we've mentioned before. So um, because I think because of this, I think it's important to, you know, remember, you know, cops are people too. you know, not all of them are bad. There are good ones. There are bad ones. Just like there are good people. There are bad people. And so um, especially like somebody like me who has friends who are in law enforcement or planning to enter law enforcement or really planning to enter the law f field spectrum in general, um, you just have to remember that as easy as it is to make all of them seem bad or have like a blanket view of everybody um you just have to remember that it's very um you i have to find my words hold on a second sorry <laughs> <laughs> um as easy as it is to like demonize all cops you have to remember that cops are people too and not all of them are bad so you know crazy incidents happen and cops like you do good things you have this podcast you have you know outreach to other countries you have outreach to the community and I think that needs to be recognized a little bit more I would say don't paint all of us with the same brush Exactly. you know I just want to bring up some numbers I don't know if these are official but just doing a Google search there's over 320 million people in the United States today and as of 2016 there's only 700,000 swear officers so cops make up a very small percentage of of people in the United States. I don't even think that's one percent. That, that's, that's not. Less, that's, that's less. less. Than See, I'm not even good at math, so I'm not even going that. But out of 320 million people, only 700,000 of that are sworn law enforcement officers. And then, if you think about that, you see the the negative incidents. You see the major major incidents that go viral on the news. Mm -hmm. If you think about the amount of cops policing today, the amount of contacts that we have on a daily basis, mm -hmm. I mean, it would make for boring news to show all the contacts we have where there are no incidents. Mm -hmm. You know, I, th I think it's definitely worth saying. Here's a kind of a tough question that we received. I think some cops admittedly racial profile. Is this the best tool or would some cops agree? What do you think, Sam? Um, when it comes down to um, profiling anybody, I, me personally, um, if I was working nights and somebody is walking in an area where typically 
nobody walks in. Um, if I go out with that person, it's not really, um, I don't consider it really profound the individual. I look at it as a, as a homeowner. If you were outside and you seen this individual crossing that you weren't familiar with, wouldn't you want somebody to recognize who the individual is? Um, so a lot of times when I come into um, contact with somebody, it's not really um, any type of profiling. Um, it's mainly seeing something that's odd or seeing something that's a trendy crime or something that happens that catches my attention and normally when i go out with anybody it's mainly just to talk to them see what they're doing see what's going on um sometimes you do come across somebody who's doing something wrong and you know you come in and you talk to them but uh yeah i mean for me uh cops use uh like they're they're you know you, you get captured as being um profiling somebody because you go out with this person at this place at this time but we realize that there's crime trends happening, there's things happening in that area, or it's not a time and a place where this person should be at. Or if I work that zone, you know, four nights a week, and I've never seen that person I hang out in this particular area all the time, obviously I'm gonna go out and say, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen you in this area before. So oh, I live down the street, cool, have fun. You know, that's that would be the end extent of my contact with that person. You have anything on that, Amir? Um, I'm still trying to understand what the question's asking as far as like how I would be able to respond to it. Okay. If, if I rephrase it like this, if when a police officer stops a person in an area, um, do you think that that officer used any type of profile to stop that person or he had some type of suspicion on why he stopped that person? Honestly, I really think it depends. Um, it could be profiling, it could not be. It's a case-by-case thing. It's not something that you can just broad stroke. See, I would agree with you, and I wish more people were as open-minded as you, because I think that's a good answer. I don't think, well, I know not not all police officers are, are perfect. We make mistakes, and there's some bad ones too. But with regard to that question, I think it absolutely, I would agree with you. I think it depends on the specific case. I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. Depends on the neighborhood, depends on the time of day. I can tell you, I spent the bulk of my career working night shift. The funny thing is, I didn't even know who I was pulling over. With all the bright lights on our police cars, by the time I activate my lights to make a traffic stop, I would say probably 90% of the time, I didn't even know who was in the car. I don't know if there's multiple people in the car, one person in the car male female let alone race i mean it's, i didn't even know if it was a man or a woman in the car half the time mm -hmm. so i think sometimes that word might get thrown around a little too freely uh what else do we have somebody else sent in i like the podcast idea what are those participating think about the media's influence on the gap between law enforcement and some communities which one of you wants to take that one um, media's influence. Are we talking about media as in the news or social media? Or? We're talking about whatever you want to talk about. I, <laughs> I took that as the news. Oh, the news? Um, I can't remember the last time I watched the news. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, okay. The, as far, okay. The news, I think the news gives an even split half and half from what I remember. Um, they they tended to highlight you know the pop the positive aspects of policing more than social media does now so you know your account is definitely one of the more positive accounts that i've seen on social media period as far as policing as far as community outreach as far as anything like that is concerned but um i think your account more accurately represents what the news was before now if we're talking about social media social media is like majority negative like social media is more apt to um show police officers in a bad light and because of this it definitely shapes like the rest of the community and society's um image of police officers not now I feel like we're more on the other extreme. Like before, there wasn't enough being shown. You know, there was there was a lot of bad stuff going on with police, and that wasn't being shown at all. Now everything's being shown, and not enough positivity is being shown. So I think right now we're just trying to find a balance between the two. 
I could tell you from Team South Florida's experience with the media, if I used one word to sum it up, I would say frustrating. And here's why. We've had conversations with several journalists and reporters in the South Florida area. We've had some from Fort Myers. We've had some from outside of Florida. And the overwhelming numbers seem to support law enforcement. With that said, they're restricted by their stations on what they can share. So we've had some reporters comment about, oh, this is a great video. Oh, this was great. Can you offer any input on this situation? Things of that nature. You've even had some, some journalists travel to events that we've been at. We've had a great dialogue. We've had a great conversation. Very seldom does that make the news, quote unquote. Very seldom do they put that on the news, the airtime. Um, I, I, I'm thinking about an incident just recently where there was a, a wife of a police officer that was killed and they did an interview with her and she was in Indiana. They must have, if they gave her three minutes on being generous of the entire newscast, it, if it was three minutes long on being generous, I don't even think it was three minutes. And I don't know. So with regards to the media, I think we, we might be a good example of doing the opposite of what I think the media does because we don't show the negative. We don't show the bad. We don't show when you see on social media a police officer doing something wrong, immoral, unethical, illegal, things of that nature, we don't put that on our page. So, I mean, you, you could say we're guilty of doing the same thing that we think the media is guilty of is not showing enough mm -hmm. positive. Mm -hmm. That's our thing. Anything on that, Sam? You're just the balance. You're balance you summed it up pretty much. Yeah, we're trying to balance it out. Mm -hmm. All right, the follow-up one was what are your thoughts on social media having an impact on policing I am definitely turning to Sam on this because I think I've seen some phenomenal work um, from different social media accounts and I think it definitely has an impact on policing in the community oh absolutely I, I mean one of um, the police department I work at one of the main focus is um, making sure our media represents our department um, and the things that we do uh, like the good arrest um, from you know, our what our officers are doing behind like behind the scenes. And I think this is a great way to show our community, hey, you know, we're not only, you know, one dimensional, we're not only arresting the bad guys, but we're also doing this and this and this and this. And we do a lot of community outreach. One of my best or one of my favorite ones that we have done was uh, the anti-bullying um, campaign that we went to Margate, one of the elementary schools at, uh, and we were able to um, basically go to the, the bathrooms of the, the female's bathrooms and the male's bathroom and paint um, anti-bullying um, drawings. And I got Broward, uh, Broward uh, College involved and it was just a great effect. And to see the kid's face on Monday morning when they came in and saw it and the trend that it changed, um, the principal at the school said it really helped um, drive home that the, not only that the police department did this, but other students came in to do this. It really drove home the fact of how bullying does affect their school and stuff like that. So I think that um, social media has a, a great impact on our policing. Um, me personally, I can see in the past two years, our community um, that we work for has totally changed. Um, a lot of people know me by name in the community I serve, and it's really awesome you're walking down the street or you know, I'm not going walking down the street, but literally going shopping or something in, in the city that I, uh, I work for. And people are just saying my name and shaking my hand because they've seen me before. And that's pretty, that's, I think that's uh, a pretty good thing that we're doing, so. And another thing is like, we also promote the kids to come out and speak to the police officers. If you see us, give us a high five. Some of us like donuts, so give us a donut. I know there's a little stereotype on that, but you know anything that we can do to bridge the gap between the kids and if they see us, to run towards us, not away from us. Um, if they have a problem, we're the number one for them to call. And if we do get called to their house, they shouldn't be worried because we're mainly there to protect them um, and keep them safe. So, And that's a great message that we have on social media and going out to our communities and talking to the kids. Um, one of the main things that we do, at least bi-weekly, is go to different preschools or um, public schools and talk to the kids. So, yeah, I think that's so important. I think that's great because sometimes, depending on where you grow up, how you grow up, the influence that you see on the TV in the background, 
the influence that maybe your parents might not have had a, a great experience with a police officer. I'll tell you, it's different. When I went to school, I didn't have a police officer in my school. When I went to high school, if a police officer showed up at the high school, everybody kind of got nervous. Everybody got scared. Everybody's, who's in trouble? Somebody's getting arrested. Something bad is happening. It's so different nowadays. And I, I think it's great. I really do. Uh, let's see. Another question that came in. I've been pulled over before. Once I was treated nice and respectfully, I did the same thing again. And that officer was really aggressive. I don't think it's something I did wrong. But can you please share what someone should do when getting pulled over? And it's kind of funny because you and I talked about this, uh, mm -hmm. what you should do when you get pulled over. You want to take this one? I'll let you take this one. I want to hear All what right. you got to say about this. All right. So the question that, that you and I had was um, when you have an unmarked vehicle. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree. And this is, this is my personal opinion. This is not legal advice. This is not reflective of any specific police department. But... If I have somebody that I care about and they're getting pulled over by an unmarked vehicle, I think it's completely reasonable to expect them to be nervous, to expect them to be a little bit scared, to be on high alert. We've seen police impersonators. Now, the flip side to that is we have also seen police officers make traffic stops in unmarked vehicles. So that's not extremely rare out of the norm. So I think what we need to do is work together, work better with each other, and both of us be smart about the, the situation. So if you're a police officer, my advice, if you're a police officer and you're in an unmarked vehicle, don't flip out or freak out that the person doesn't stop right away. Be a little bit patient, a little bit understanding. Heck, they might not even see the lights on the car. Some of these cars don't even have that, that great of lighting. Now, if you're being pulled over and you see the lights on the car, and you're questioning whether or not it's a real police officer, what I told you was reduce your speed significantly. Go in the far right lane, put your hazards on, your four ways. Slow down, maybe five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour. Pick up the phone and you dial 911. This is where I am. I think I'm getting pulled over. This is what the vehicle attempting to pull me over looks like. This is where I'm going. Can you send a police officer this way? I think personally speaking and Sam, you can contribute to this, feel free. If I'm a police officer and I see somebody reduce their speed to five miles an hour, they put their flashing lights on, I think that it's clear to me they've acknowledged me. I don't think they're trying to elude me. I don't think they're trying to flee or get away. You calling 911 should, not always, but it should get some sort of communication going to that officer. It should. That's, that's my advice. The other thing that I'll add, you can always drive to your nearest police department. What safer place to go? As far as uh, the specific question, I don't think it mentioned unmarked. So I would just say for a regular traffic stop when you're pulled over, again, personally speaking, it gives me... Traffic stops are inherently dangerous. Traffic stops and domestic violence calls are two of the most dangerous calls that police officers deal with and both of them happen frequently. So we are all naturally on high alert when making a traffic stop or when responding to a domestic violence call. Something that a citizen can do to reduce those, those concerns, those fears, those nerves, the alert factor. As I approach the vehicle, when if it's nighttime, if they turn the lights on, it helps. If they open all the windows, it helps. If they put their hands on the steering wheel, if there's passengers in the back and they put their hands on the seats, you know, the, the seat in front of them. I'm not one that I, I need people or I want people to, to kiss up or to be petrified. But that mutual respect, it carries so much weight. When I make a traffic stop and somebody opens all the windows and I see their hands right away and they're not making any excuses, they're not making any furtive movements in the vehicle, not trying to hide something. Hey, officer so-and-so, the reason why you were stopped is for failing to stop at a red light. I'm sorry, I didn't see the red light. I'm sorry, I was in a rush, something like that. I think more frequently than not, that person is likely to get a warning. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now that's, you have anything on that or no? I mean, you pretty much summed it up pretty well. 
All right. Here's a tough one. Uh, I'm a police officer, and I have never seen more community outreach programs. This is not a knock on you, Sam, by the way. (laughs) I'm reading this. I'm a police officer, and I've never seen more community outreach programs and interaction by local officers with their communities. At what point is it time to stop blaming the police and find out what those in the community could or should do to improve these relationships? So this sounds like somebody that's frustrated. Um, well, how would I approach the situation is um, I think that one of our our jobs, our duties as a uh, law enforcement agency, um, if your agency has you know enough personnel to do so, is the customer service aspect of it is where we're educating our community on the different things that they can do to get involved. Because I know a lot of people are not on social media, and if you're not on social media and you're not following the news, then you're pretty much, you know, you're out of the loop, exactly. So I think that um, any time that we do have um, the opportunity to reach out, um, because I did like what um, I was going through um, one of the pages, and um, one of the agencies actually walk through the different neighborhoods and was just talking to the community. And I think that more things like that um, could be done. And if the personnel is available, should be done. Um, because a lot of people aren't, I don't want to say like, if they're not on social media, they're not watching the news, they're really not informed. So what better way than can we do is, you know, anytime we come in contact with them is to inform them on things that they could do to get involved. Or come by the PD, they want a tour, or join, you know, the Citizen Academy, or different programs that that local agency has. So I, I mean, to double think, I, I know it's probably frustrating that people are like, oh, we wish we, we can hear or do more, um, and it's going to be something that you know we have to quiet down because, um, just like thinking if you went to Walmart and you were saying that they didn't have a certain program, but you never asked about it, you would never know. So. Um, one of our things is that if the community doesn't know that we have these programs um, that they can get involved with, we it's our duty to um, go out there and let them know about it. What exactly do they mean by community outreach as far as, like, what, what does that mean exactly? So for different departments, um, they have Citizen Academy, which is um, allows you to come into the police, depart- or police department or into the city and see all the different functions or how the police department functions and how the city functions. So you get to see, okay, road patrol does this, um, traffic does this, code does this. Oh, so it's kind of like a transparency between like the community and the Well, department. to teach you so you can get a better understanding if you have a code officer respond to your house, mm-hmm. what is their actual job, okay. and how does a kind of the ecosystem of law enforcement kind of work. Okay. And then we have, you know, I'm, I'm, a lot of uh, jurisdictions have the coffee and cops mm-hmm. and that's an open door there's no agenda and that's basically for the citizens to come out and just talk to us if you have complaints bring your complaints if you want to just have a, a cup of coffee or have a cup of coffee you want to bring the kids so they can get that you know that positive uh interaction with police officers do that mm-hmm. and those are kind of things that we you know all law enforcement really have available okay um I feel like something to improve the the relationship between community and precinct, I guess, would be if the department speaks speaks out more when something terrible happens. I don't know if you guys already do that. I don't know the extent of, you know, your even your capability or your ability to actually like talk to us when when something crazy happens but i feel like that would definitely improve the relationship because it's one thing to you know have a cup of coffee with the cop and have like a dialogue when nothing has happened when nothing's going on when everything's kind of normal but you know kid gets shot like all right now like what do you think what's going on like how should we be responding to this and like you know if there is some some lack of ethics or something that took place like that um are we supposed to assume that you know you're all backing this up? Well, that's, that's, well, that's a good question. But how would you, as um, you know, community member, want that to be presented? Um, I think I think it should probably be presented as a panel on TV, like some way where it's gonna you know reach a lot of people, reach most of the community, um, and 
just be open to talking about it, you know, at a coffee and cops type of. So basically, like having like a, a t- like if an event happened, open mm-hmm. forum yeah. where citizens can come in and voice their opinion. Yeah, open forum and open space because um, I feel like as much as we talk about being friendly with cops and stuff like that, like it's all fun and games until something happens, you know. So, especially sure. if the community feels like you know there's some racial whatever happening. So, um, well, that's also given that the community will participate as well. That's because if I mean, I'm everything you said, you know, I'm not the chief or anything like that. But if uh, something happened in any city and that were to happen and they get low participation, and the people who do come are you know people who are regulars Mm -hmm. and they do have a good dialogue, Mm -hmm. but the people who actually are um, feeling you know animosity or a certain type of way about the situation didn't get that information mm-hmm. so then it kind of is not really a good platform because it didn't okay. disseminate to the right people so i think like you know it's one of those things is like a tricky thing like the law enforcement our job is to keep engaging with our community so our community can engage back with us in a positive environment so if something does happen we know that if we invite people to come out to talk about it, we're gonna have the right people in there to talk about it, the people that feel a certain type of way or people who are effective or people who just wanna ask questions and know, you know, so they can feel safe. So. Okay. Um, how much are you allowed to do over social media? That's up to every department. Oh. Yeah, every department has, you know, the threshold on far as how much they would leak out or, you know, put out there. Um, sometimes they do media releases to the news um, yeah. It depends on how much information. If it's a pending case, if it mm-hmm. if it's something with, uh, pertaining an officer, that's something that's happening. Mm-hmm. They might not put that information out right right away, just because it's going through the proper channels. Mm-hmm. But um, eventually, it does. Everything comes out. So okay, I'm only asking because um, I'm on social media quite a bit, and uh, whenever something does happen, whenever a major case does break. Um, there's always questions in the comments and there's always, you know, thoughts and opinions and things that seem to generally go on as mm-hmm. go unanswered. Um, and so social media is a funny place to engage, especially when people have questions, because there's a lot of people that are not being, I don't know, like they're not really asking the question. They're more trying to growl. Like yeah. yeah. You know, so bait, like you were saying bait, you know, someone to say something more so but it's very interesting because anytime i know a lot of local um law enforcement uh departments anytime they do have any negative things um they really just don't answer them or try to continue with it because you don't know how that dialogue is going to go um i know uh our department and a lot of other departments try to uh communicate as much as possible but sometimes it's you know that form sometimes is not the best um, because not everyone's going to see it and you're just pertaining to that one person. So I, I don't know. It's it's one of the mixed things that I think that as social media grows, you know, everything starts growing. Um, there's going to be better ways that every community handles their community or best way they can put that information out. And I think it's interesting because it's going to grow into something that's going to be synergetic where everybody's on the same page. But I think by having discussions like this and continue to further out their outreach, there one day will be something that, that works out for everybody. So I think you bring up some good points. The uh, There's a public information officer from a local police department in South Florida that filled me in on something not long ago that I remember that I thought was interesting. To Sam's point about baiting, there was a controversial incident that took place, and they found that a large amount of the people commenting were not even in, from South Florida. They had nothing to do with the incident. They're not from the city. They weren't from any of the people involved, they were literally there to bait the police department into responding. So that happens. Uh, The other thing I wanted to point out is when there's a controversial incident and the police department does decide to speak up and they answer these questions to members of the media, just be cognizant of what we discussed before that, you know, the media only puts out what they want to put out. So I know for a fact we've had we've had some officers that have answered questions uh, via press releases and things of that and press conferences and then they go and they see the news story or the coverage and there's a whole lot missing. 
The other thing I'm going to say is I think you brought up a very good point about being transparent. I think one of the worst things that we can do in this profession is when a controversial incident takes place, reply no comment, pending investigation, and, and say nothing. Because then, those that are on social media, that's all they have to go on. Mm -hmm. So, it's a delicate balance. You know, there, there's a lot of complexities involved with, is this case going to be prosecuted criminally? Mm -hmm. Can we say too much right now? Should we not say anything right now? Is it going to impact the investigation? Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot that, this is maybe a play on words, but sometimes the police are handcuffed. Um, as far as like the media is concerned, when you know precincts need to put their news out, um, have you guys considered like live streaming and stuff, like cutting out the middleman altogether? Because if a, if a case is big enough, like people who are interested are definitely going to tune in and see exactly what's happening as it's happening. It's not going to have to be, you know, sliced and diced by, you know, whatever news station, however way they're leaning or whatever, um, to be put out to the general public. You're talking the follow-up after the incident takes place. Yeah, so let's say... like right. talking about whatever, taking place. Yeah, like whatever happens, oh, there's a press release, we're putting news out, we're giving out information, you're having a dialogue with, with the reporters, right? So rather than have them, you know, tape it, go back, edit it, cut some parts out, put whatever they want out, why not just live stream? I think some agencies do that. Yeah, yeah. some agencies are utilizing Twitter and um, Facebook Live for that. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you have to realize the logistics. So like if something happened in this corridor and how many people do you have available to do that and who would you want to actually go out there and say the right thing so it's also a lot of logistics or who's in, who's can be readily available to do that you know so a lot bigger agencies um they probably have the, the personnel to do so mm -hmm. and i think a lot of them are probably getting ahead of the, the bandwagon like you said um i'm not i don't know for experience who is doing that but i just know that we try to u utilize twitter um and um, when we uh, joined The Ring, which is an, uh, a neighbor's app that helps us communicate with our community better, we did a, a live stream simultaneously because we, you know, we wanted to get that information out as we wanted it to be said. So, You know who's pretty good with that? The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. They have a major incident and typically in a very short time period, either the sheriff himself or somebody representing that agency is in front of all the cameras they're on Facebook and they're on Twitter and they are exactly what you said live streaming and sometimes they even have they'll have a piece of paper up with a picture of the suspect they'll have a, a picture of a firearm this is the suspect this is the weapon this is what we know right now the facts can change as the investigation continues but this is what we know right now I think they do an excellent excellent job of kind of quelling a lot of rumors by, by doing just that and I think that um, if more law enforcement start adapting to the social media, things will get a lot more um, streamlined where they're putting out the information before the news is actually putting out the information. So I think that's the future going to come. So to an earlier point, I think, I think we kind of just answered, well, I think this room answered a question that I might have had beforehand. I think you do a great job yourself of choosing not to just only follow something bad and only follow something good you kind of open up your mind and you see different feeds different pages and then you make up your own mind mm -hmm. i think the more that continues to happen i think the better off we we will be i definitely think so somebody else put a question thoughts on body cameras i can definitely comment on this because uh, where I work, we just recently um, were issued body cameras. I personally love them. I've never been happier. I know that there's some resistance from some officers. There's resistance from some unions. But I think, I think this day and age, I think they're necessary. And quite frankly, I think that they're going to protect us more than they will harm us as police officers. I think that... When we go to an incident and the entire thing's on the body camera, I think it's going to present a whole new perspective. So I'll answer my own question on that one. <laughs> um, if anybody wants to chime in, you're more than welcome. But Do you guys no. take, take them home? It's gonna, that, all that stuff varies by agency. Every agency is a little bit different. I have a 
there's a member of Team South Florida that has a body camera and she was telling me that they have a, a docking station at their house. So they finish their shift, they drive home, they put the camera on the dock, it charges and it uploads the footage. Uh, where I work, we do not take them home. We charge them at the station. Do they turn off? Yes. There's a power switch on top. Uh, the, the police officers that are paranoid will tell you that they never turn off, but I'd like to think when the power switch is turned off that it's off. Okay. I, no, I don't know. I, I'm only asking because my friend and I were talking about body cameras um, the other day, and um, we were like, oh, do, we, do they take them home, and do they turn off? Because like, how do you function in your house? It's like surveillance constantly. I mean, with it, during the job, you know, within context, obviously, it makes sense, but like... When you're off? Yeah, when you're off, are you just supposed Ho to like... Hopefully they off? are turned <laughs> off and they're not recorded. Hopefully. The last question that we had, what is the disconnect in communities where there's such a strong distrust of their police? It can't be one single isolated incident, can it? It's usually repeated history. I don't know. This is, this is going to be a two-part question. I think we have to break it down. And I think... I think if you look at the Ferguson incident, I think it can be one isolated incident. I think something something major that happens for it to be handled negatively um, could really drastically change a, a relationship between the police department and the community. Which one was the Ferguson one? With Michael Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But as far as the communities where there's such a strong distrust, I think this goes back to maybe the community outreach efforts. I think that's why it's so critical that those police departments that are, are engaged with their community and the community that's not afraid to approach the police officers when they see them or go to a police station and ask questions, I think that's why those, are, those relationships are so crucial and critical. I feel bad for the ones where there's such a disconnect. Mm -hmm. I got a question for you. So in certain communities, why, um, if present, um, a police officer says, hey, let's just talk about things. Um, they choose not to want to talk, even if it has nothing to do with any type of investigations or anything. Nobody trusts y'all. And why Why do you think is that? Um, Here we go. This is going to get good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, no one, no one trusts the cops. Because um, the perception is, you know, you guys are allowed to lie to us, even if, you know, we're speaking to you freely. We the feeling is things can get taken out of context, things could be used, you know, in later phases, you could say something and, you know, have it be used against you or against somebody else or, you know, just have it be a weapon used later on. Um, and but where does it, where does this come from? Does this come from like um, cases that you guys heard of or anybody, not you all, just anybody heard of? Or is this something that just perception based off of what police officers can or cannot do? I think it's all of it. I think it's, um, for some people, it's based off of personal experience. So, like, if, you know, you've been arrested, you've had a gun pulled on you, you've, you know, certain things have happened to you, you're innately distrustful of the police. Like, it's a trauma response. If um, sometimes it's it's a learned thing. Like, hey, don't, like, respect the cops, but don't engage too much, you know? Um, sometimes it's, Sometimes it's um, like the weaponry, the defense. You guys look intimidating. Like it just, it just, it honestly, it honestly varies, you know. And I mean, personally, um, I try not to have the all cop, all cops are bad mentality. But um, if I hadn't had that question to ask you, then our interaction probably would have stopped as soon as you walked out the door. Um, I'm not necessarily afraid to speak to cops and law enforcement but i'm not gonna openly go into a precinct you know like not even I, going to a precinct but if you see somebody at you know wherever getting food somewhere at a restaurant mm -hmm. and he says hi to you and i'll you, say hi back okay but, I but mean, you I wouldn't approach but you wouldn't have a conversation if that person wanted to have a conversation sure I, like if if you initiate these things and if you engage, then I will also engage you. But I, I won't go out of my way. Like if I, if I go somewhere and I see a cop, I'm like, okay, there's a cop here. That's it. We just keep pushing. But where, where does that um, feeling or that mindset comes from? If you never had any type of 
negative interaction with a police officer. I see black people get shot on social media every day, and I don't want to be a statistic. But since you never had any negative... I, I see I see what happens. You see what happens. That's it. <laughs> even, even getting pulled over. I've been pulled over twice. Well, no, I've been pulled over three times. I got a ticket twice. <laughs> Were you speeding? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got um, I got pulled over. You know, they were all of them were just so long. Like you guys really dig into that computer to see what's going on with me and my license plate and stuff. But um, you know, the first two times I got a ticket, it was fine. It wasn't it wasn't you know threatening, right? The first time was super late at night. It was like two in the morning, and I was like seventeen. I was 17 driving home and I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to get a ticket. This is too much. But it was like honestly scary because Sawgrass had no lights on and I was behind the cop and I got pulled over. I'm like, what is going on? And um, first time getting pulled over, definitely one of my more terrifying experiences. The second time it was daytime, you know, in the middle of like a busy area. So that wasn't too bad. Because I felt like, okay, if anything happens, people people will see. Someone will record. This will get out. And then the third time, I was on my way home, um, and it happened. And I don't even know. I don't even remember why I got pulled over. But I did get pulled over. And, you know, the guy was nice. You know, he was cool. And he was just like, oh, okay, well, you're free to go. Go about your day. So that was fine. But it was, that was around, like, 10 p.m. So um, every time I get pulled over, there's always, like, Am I gonna be another Sandra Bland for Land of Castile type of thing? Like, ha, this... have you always lived in Broward, or have you like my whole life? No, like a good majority of your adult life. Okay, yeah. And have have you seen anything like that happen locally? Locally, mm-hmm. no. So then, how does that fear from some? So basically, I'm asking you like. I've been in the military. I've been in the military for 16 years, mm-hmm. and you know the VA in West Palm, uh, Miami, quote unquote, people think it's not a good VA. Right. Okay. Just say, for instance, I'm giving you information. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I should never go to the VA hospital if I need to get treatment? Because one VA hospital is, quote unquote, supposed to be the bad VA hospital. No, but I'm sure you'll be cautious. I'm sure you'll be concerned about the quality of care you'll receive. So it's not don't go to any VA hospital, but, you know, maybe particular ones you won't, you'll avoid. Or maybe, you know, you'll get a second opinion when you leave that particular VA hospital. So it's not. Um... I'm just trying to understand like the mindset behind. Oh, I mean, if if you've lived down in Broward or South Florida area and you've never dealt with that, some uh, incident that happened that you brought up mm-hmm. happened where? Oh jeez. Okay, but but it happened out, out of the yeah, state. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened out of the state, and that brings fear to you here, but you never had that type of interaction. I'm just interested because. I mean, I'm still, I'm still black. These people still look, still look like me. They're able, you know, I could end up in a similar situation as them. I could get pulled over. And it's not like in those incidents, you know, from, from what I know about those cases, it's not like during those incidents, like anything crazy, you know, went down to warrant those things happening to them. So, um, and then also like, considering like all the history and stuff that mm-hmm. you know goes on here like there's nothing there's nothing to stop that from happening i'm not walking around with like this crippling fear of the police or anything like that but you know when i get pulled over and i see those blue and red lights behind me my heart races a little bit and it's not because oh you know i'm a woman or oh i'm about to to um i'm about to get a ticket it's okay let me call a friend, keep them on the phone, make sure somebody's listening. Let me put on, you know, the recorder to, to you know, at least something will be there. Something will be evidence if something were to happen. To because those people, those people didn't, um, those people didn't think that something like that would happen to them or that, you know, something past a routine stop or a ticket would take place and, you know, they died. So it's not, it's not, um... An inherent prejudice is just a cautionary feeling. No, I totally respect that. And that's what I think that, you know, everyone needs to kind of understand is like, um, you know, 
we do a good effort in trying to bring community and be involved in community and try to show, you know, that we are also human and, you know, we don't want to hurt people. We're, we're there to protect people, you know, and that's the primary focus. But I just wanted to, you know, for you to say that out loud, like why the mindset is there, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I would never. Um... So how do we get past that? I don't think there's really any getting past that. Like it's kind of it's kind of already set, at least from at least from like a racial standpoint. I don't think I don't think there's really getting any past that because it's one thing to have things happening now, but you know, there's been you know, unethical and discriminatory things like happening towards you know black people, different minority groups for ages. So mm-hmm. it's not like this isn't a new development. This is just like the current iteration of it. So we can have- I ask you a question as a as a black woman? Mm-hmm. What do you what about a black woman police officer because I know you bring up race and everything and I feel that that's why I'm happy Sam's here because I don't feel as a white male I it's appropriate for me to answer some of your concerns mm-hmm. I can't say I relate but if we had a black woman police officer here and you're saying that you're you're concerned as a black woman mm-hmm. with race issues mm-hmm. so is the mindset and I'm not maybe I'm not even referring to just you specifically I don't mm-hmm. want to act like I'm targeting you I'm just mm-hmm. in general is the mindset that once you put the uniform on, you're a police officer, and it's got nothing to do with white, black, Asian, Hispanic, and all that. Yeah, because even um, you know things will happen, and you'll see some videos, and um, as much as the the white officers are going in on the on the suspect, on the victim, or whatever, right? Um, you know, you'll occasionally you'll see that black cop, right? And the regular civilian non-cop black people are like what's going on you know like i think for you know black law enforcement you have that that um that disconnect like are you blue or black like when you're on the job are you blue first or black first why why does it have to be like that um is it because the historical um you know things that happened in the past um, that lead to that because at the end of the day if you are a police officer you you signed a line to protect and serve you didn't you know you didn't sign up for what's the history of what happened in the past and stuff like that or what can happen in the future you just signed up to you know protect and serve that's true but when when for the most part when black people look at you as a black cop they're not they're looking at you as black first. They don't know the extent that you'll go to protect them. They don't know the extent that you'll go to, you know. They they don't ensure. know, or they're they're cautious on that. Um, both. They, well, they're cautious because they don't know. So it's not like you know every black cop is going to be like, oh yeah, you know, brother for the people and all that stuff. Like that's not that's that's not the case. You know, some 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 black cops are black cops and they will participate in whatever you know heinous unethical thing is going on so um they don't know and considering the history of the black community with um law enforcement you know there's always going to be some hesitance there you know is are you going to understand me as a black person or are you going to go along with whatever's going on um with you know your blue uniform assuming that you know it's something unethical or what have you because some some people have the mentality like there's that there needs to be black cops because you know who's going to be our representation on that side of the line right then there's people who feel like you know if the departments and the precincts are that bad then you need to have representation you need you need you need like black people to make it better for other black people there's that mentality then there's people who just really don't care as far as they're concerned if you have that uniform on you're bad period end of story so um there's so many angles that you could come from for this particular issue oh absolutely so i understand that's something you said that it's probably never going to change but what could be done better to kind of uh mend this or kind of uh change change the outlook what could be done um Like how I was talking about the transparency beforehand, right? I feel like when something 
and I keep mentioning black people because like I'm black. I don't have like frame of reference for any other community. So, you know, if this applies to other minorities, then great. But when you have transparency, okay. A good way to have transparency, like between the police and black people, mm-hmm. I feel would be to actually be honest about like your opinions and what you think when there's a police brutality case involving a black person, right? So a lot of times you get the blanket, you know, police precinct statement. You get, um, you know, the no comment, or you get, like, the generic response that's just supposed to satisfy the need for a statement but doesn't really say anything, Now, when you say that, are you talking about from one specific police department about another agency, or are you talking about a police department about their own incident? About their own incident. Okay, because I was going to say... I don't think you're going to ever have one police department talking about another police department's incident. So, to then follow up with what you're saying, I don't think anyone's expecting that. I, I think I think this is where police departments vary, mm-hmm. and if there's a controversial incident, I think nowadays more than ever before, I'd like to hope mm-hmm. something is put out. So you don't have the no comment. And I, I completely agree with you. I think when you say no comment, that's the worst thing you can do. Well, it's not even so much about saying the no comment in general. It's just that a lot of times, like, like, like cops are the blue gang, right? Like, one member does something, if it's, if it's heinous, unethical, terrible, what have you, you know, because there's no, there's no, um, statement of opinion or like denouncing whatever's done then the assumption is that everybody in that precinct or everybody excuse me who works with that officer backs up whatever happened right so um and that's based because um people are not hearing if there's yeah people people aren't hearing if there's a difference in, in in opinion so you know if um like that incident that happened with with the kid right like something like that happens right if no like it just feels like there's never there's no there's no officer that denounces like actions like that you know and and if if it is handled and the officer is um you know reprimanded or what have you it doesn't it's not it's not really public and on top of that you almost never see an officer actually go to jail for these things right let me go full circle on this then Mm -hmm. if what i'm hearing is right you would want to see more transparency as far as disciplinary issues are concerned, mm-hmm. officers being held accountable from the police department. Mm-hmm. So if we take that, and now you have the media and social media mm-hmm. with a huge focus on negativity, mm-hmm. and now you take the police department, and now you're adding to that, I would tell you that my concern, as not only a police officer, but as a father, with my children growing up, seeing what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. I would be concerned that there's so much negativity that everybody is going to have these jaded preconceived notions because that's all they're going to see. Well, people already have jaded preconceived notions because there's no accountability on the part of the police departments for their officers, right? Because if if you know if that officer who did what he did, you know, was held accountable and it, and it was a public thing, it wasn't like, oh, this person was suspended, this person was like quietly fired, and they're just gonna be able to go to another precinct and wreak havoc. Like, if, they, if it was like, okay, you did this, and because you did this, this is gonna happen, you're not gonna get, you know, leave with pay, you're going to be fired, you're going to have an inability to continue this profession, because you know you're a danger to the community, or you're a danger to specific members of the community, then that would increase the, um, accountability the the accountability factor but that would also increase that would also like encourage the rest of the community because at least you know like if something happens then we're not going to be left out to dry we're not just going to be victims like we're going to be we're going to be you know valued members of the community that you know if something happens to us then you know the person who did it to us will be held accountable for whatever happened because you know it happens in every other profession like if some if if you mess up at a hospital, you get fired for it. You you mess up in school, you get fired for it. So how come, you know, for this particular profession, when something happens, everything's, you know, leave of absence. You know, you're just, you're getting a little pay break or whatever, but it's never, 
it's never, oh, no, you're just outright fired, especially when it does get taken to criminal court and most of the time the person's acquitted or whatever. So I'm not going to stand up for administration in this regard, but I'm just mm -hmm. going to, in, in full disclosure, mm -hmm. I, just, I think it needs to be said, a lot of times, and this is not one agency, this is the state of Florida, mm -hmm. there's what's called the Bill of Rights, mm -hmm. and as police officers, you're entitled to certain protections. And, mm -hmm. and then you have your city police departments, your general orders, your standard operating procedures, your investigatory processes and procedures. It's, it's not a one, two, three thing. It's mm -hmm. not. And as far as accountability is concerned, I, I know we talked about this briefly before we went on the air. Um, I personally feel like police officers are held accountable. I, we can agree to disagree on that. Mm -hmm. But I really do honestly say that when when I can do my job, when I can go and respond to a call for service, doing everything with the best of intentions, and it's expected that I am absolutely perfect 100% of the time, and I do something wrong, that I could literally be arrested and charged criminally in court, that I could be sued civilly, and on top of all of that, held accountable internally through internal affairs and administrative sanctions and things of that nature. I think that police officers are held accountable. Mm -hmm. Maybe I maybe you're right in saying that that's not as transparent, but I would also say that I don't know how much of that can be as transparent. Some of it probably is transparent and maybe the three of us in this room don't often see it, but I, I can rattle off examples where police officers were fired, mm -hmm. were suspended without pay, mm -hmm. um, had their, we call it a ticket basically, your, your certification to be a police officer, had their ticket pulled so they could not be a police officer in the state of Florida, mm -hmm. and then good luck going elsewhere and doing that once that happens. So I don't know. And then I, I didn't want to forget though, one of the things I wanted to, not to divert, but mm -hmm. when you talked about the traffic stops. Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but feel my own personal feeling when I'm walking up on a car stop and I stop somebody. You're nervous, but you know what? I'm nervous too because I have no idea who I'm walking up mm -hmm. to, what I'm walking up to. I'll never forget there was, a, there was an incident from my previous police department out of state. I don't want to get the details wrong, but it was, it was probably over 10 years ago now. A suspect had shot and killed multiple people inside the house. Mm -hmm. He got pulled over by a traffic officer. He got issued a speeding ticket. Thank God he didn't shoot it out with the traffic officer. The traffic officer obviously did not know at the time that he just pulled over somebody that had just shot and killed multiple people. We found that out afterwards, after the, investiga after the investigation played out. So I just, I just wanted to say that when it comes down to traffic stops I understand people are nervous I think everybody's nervous nobody likes to get pulled over mm -hmm. I got pulled over for speeding by the Florida Highway Patrol and I was nervous too you know but uh, they're the ones with the things in the back of their cars <laughs> they have they have some excellent equipment for speed mm -hmm. enforcement I mean it was very interesting on hearing you know your output me being um, you know a black police officer also growing up down here um it does, you know, you hear both sides of it, um, you know, and when you brought up either you're blue or you're black, mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those thin lines that you walk. But at the end of the day, I like I try to talk to my friends who do ha share your, your output, you know, um, and one of my closest friends, too, she always brings up things that happen outside of the state. And I hear what she's what she's saying. Um, so I think that, you know, from conversations like this, dialogues like this. Um, that we continue, you know, you know, thank God for Team South Florida to do something like this, to constantly, you know, put the fears out there, put what you have to say out there, um, because nobody can deny what you're saying. Um, it's your fears and your um, perception on things. The only thing that we can do forward is bring them out to light and um, continue to talk to make sure that we can probably, you know, mend, mend it or uh, get to a better place. So. That's what I would like. I'd, I'd love to see us at a better place. I'd love to see the trust built back up. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be 
Listen, it's it's yeah, not. It, it's like this everywhere. I mean, um, I went, you know, I went to war in Iraq. Um, the Iraqi government to get control of the people's um, trust, you know, because then they let you know other terrorist group come in. It's like it's sometimes it's very hard to get people's trust after repeated things that you might hear or you might go through and stuff like that. So I think that um, it's our responsibilities police officers of the community to continue to work together to make this thing right. Let's see if that happens. I wanna I wanna see I wanna see Well guess what? If you continue to come out here talk about stuff like this that you bring up and spread the word about, you know, amazing things that Team South Florida is doing, Mm -hmm. things that I'm doing, things that other police officers are doing and start seeing us as humans as well, you know, there's there's so many ways. There's Listen, I think this whole thing is complex, and there's so many different emotions. There's so many different things. I don't think that nor, n- neither me or Team South Florida is going to have the ability to answer questions that are going to make relevant sense to you or to the next person. But all we can say is that there is opportunity for us to continue to discuss this and make changes. So, And as you know, there's people that are in law enforcement that hear this. There's people that are not in law enforcement that are going to hear this, and they're going to take, you know, what they want to take and get to continue to preach the word and put the word out there. All right. Well, I'm completely open to, to the dialogue. I would love to see like an effective change be made for the better because it's, it's kind of wild out there. Like this, the, the overall feeling and sentiment and tension, it's, it's getting progressively more intense. I'm upset to hear you say that because I actually thought we were doing better. I felt the way you feel what you just said. I felt that a couple of years ago, and I thought we were going better. You, you have to realize, on social media does, if I turn on social media and I go on Instagram and I hear something that happened in Arizona, then the next day I pull up, I hear something that happened, and I don't know the timeline this happened. If I'm just looking at this, it could happen yesterday, it could happen just now. I don't know if this is old information, new information, but you're constantly seeing this because the network that you, you, you surround yourself with. So it's, listen, I, it's going to be a challenge on every behalf. Um, it's going to be a challenge for law enforcement to um, make the changes that are comfortable for people to want to make changes themselves. But it's going to be a constant thing that I think if we continue to work together. I mean, like you said, you come from an area that believes that way. I come from an area that some believe, some don't. You know, and everybody has their own perception. But at the end of the day, if we all can just come to the table and put it all out there and just make changes that can slowly, you know, make a difference. We can only hope. <laughs> that said, to close it out, I'll, I'll give you a final word. Do you have anything else? I'm good. You're good? I, I thoroughly enjoyed my little, <laughs> my little spiel. <laughs> uh, I, hope you guys inf- I, I hope you guys enjoyed it, too. I hope it gave you more pr- perspective, at least, from, like, oh, absolutely. for viewpoint from, like, this community outward. So um, I look forward to the next one. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Sam. In, in closing, one of our traditions at the conclusion of our podcast is just to honor a fallen law enforcement officer that was killed on the same day in a previous year. Today is March 2nd. On March 2nd in 1936, Police Chief Sumner Dillard of the Shelbyville, Tennessee Police Department was shot and killed. Chief Dillard and another officer had just arrested two suspects around 11 a.m. when they were driving away from the residence. A friend of the prisoners came out of a house and opened fire on the patrol car. The suspect had a 30 caliber rifle and Chief Dillard was struck in the back of the head. The suspect was apprehended at the scene and later charged with first degree murder. We unfortunately do not know how long Chief Dillard served in law enforcement or who he left behind. We owe it to Chief Dillard, his family, and his friends to always remember and recognize his sacrifice though. Rest easy, Chief, and thank you guys again very much.